Welcome to Dyslexics Wanted, celebrating the unique strengths and creativity so often the hallmark of people with dyslexia. Hello, I'm Jordan Rich, and the Web Innovation Center for Dyslexia invites you to join this podcast. If you or someone you care about have a story to tell, we'd consider featuring it right here on the Dyslexics Wanted podcast. Feel free to email me, Jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N, at chartproductions.com. Today's guest is a good friend and colleague of mine. His name is Dan Fickus, and he's a guy with over 30 years of frontline broadcast experience. He's done it all, producing, directing, running camera, and he's also worked in a wide range of productions, including network and local news, documentaries, sports, entertainment, and over 2,000 corporate productions. Dan is an award winner. He won an Emmy in 2011 for a production he produced with the Boston Symphony Orchestra. He's the founder of Ocean One, a very successful production company in Boston, and has produced projects for CBS News, the BBC, the Discovery Channel, A&E, Bravo, Food Network, you name it. Today, Dan is here to share his story on this podcast, how he fought through the effects of dyslexia during most of his life as a student. It certainly didn't stop Dan from accomplishing so much, but it's important to hear his story. We know each other. We've worked together for many, many years. Gosh, dare I say decades. Yeah, close to 30. And uh, you've been an award-winning producer, videographer, writer, director. You've done it all. Let's talk about you, though, as a youngster. Uh, You're from Pennsylvania. That is correct. What part? I grew up near Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, a town called Camp Hill. Small town, normal upbringing. Mr. America. Looked like the the great all-American boy, and you still look that way. I had a charmed (laughs) upbringing, and yes, very, very lucky in life. Okay, let's talk about how dyslexia enters the picture, and it's something that is noticed when. When are you actually told you have this? They figured it out about age seven or eight, that I wasn't reading as fast as the other kids. I wasn't finishing tests as fast as I probably should have been. So I don't remember exactly, because I'm 56 now, so... All those years ago, we'll say 50 years ago, they figured it out and they sent me to see a doctor on Monday nights. And that's all I remember. I was just a little kid. I just remember I had to go at 6 to 7.30 every Monday night mm-hmm. um, to try to train my eyes to read properly. I don't know if it worked. I don't know if it didn't work. I really don't know. All I know is I read slower than everybody else. And uh, so I saw a doctor that way and I also went to a special education program within the school district um, they had something for you know kids that had reading problems. But back then, you got lumped in with everybody, whether you had reading problems or behavioral problems or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you got lumped in. And I just remember being in like third grade, walking out of my classroom. All right, it's time for Danny to walk down this way when everybody else is going that way. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started feeling – like I wasn't like everybody else. Like everybody's wondering, where's Danny going or where are those kids going? Oh, they're special. Mm. Needs kids and that kind of thing. So I really hated it. I was going to say that's got to be for anybody at any age difficult. But at that age, when you're so involved with trying to make friends and being part of the crew, did you feel that other kids were teasing you about it, taunting you about it? Was that part Absolutely. of the issue? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, some kids were great and other kids that were – for one reason or another, it would make fun of all of us. And I still remember the five of us who would split off to the right out of the classroom when mm. all the other kids were going off to do something else. And I don't remember what that something else was. But there were certain kids that would make fun. And I still remember the word sped, mm. special education. I didn't even know what sped meant. I knew what special <laughs> education because that's what they called it. But they used to call us speds. 
And it's like, oh, I hated that. I hated mm. that. You know, it took years before I realized it was special education. That anybody told me that that was just a name they would call us. Oh, there's the speds. It, it's like, it oh. felt demeaning because it was, so. it was meant in that way. Before we talk further about school, let's talk about home because so many of the people I've met and have talked with have remarked that uh, their parents really wanted the best for them. And so their parents were helpful in guiding them and giving them a chance to, to learn with extra help and all that. Uh, you told me you had a great background and a great upbringing. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that's part of it. Absolutely. I mean, mom and dad, I mean, as soon as they realized something was wrong and Danny's grades aren't great and Danny's kind of starting to get disconnected from uh, especially math and reading, you know, I mean, mm. I didn't I didn't see numbers like everybody else did either, especially when it came to algebra later on. So, I mean, they did what the school district said, read with them more, do this, do that. I mean, again, nothing like they have today mm-hmm. as far as programs go. So mom and dad, you know, spent time with me every night reading and I, I didn't enjoy reading because I struggled with it. And the worst part of it was – I was reading. I was getting through it, getting through it, but the comprehension wasn't there because I was taking so long to just struggle through the words, mm. and I wasn't even enjoying the reading because I don't know what I was reading. What now, if I reread it, that would be different. Right. And I'm starting to say, "Hey, I like this story." Never got it the first time. And of time. course, you you end up in life being a great storyteller. We'll get to that. Uh, yeah. Your professional career, which is heralded, and you're one of the best at what you do. But did you have siblings as well that had this issue? I had a brother that oh. had the same. Same issue. Was he older? Uh, or I have an older brother and an older sister. Okay. Uh, my sister's the oldest than my brother, and he was struggling with the same thing and went to the same doctor mm-hmm. um, and was getting the same kind of help, except my brother, in some way, he didn't really kind of want the help. He just wanted to, to play and have more fun, that kind of thing. But I was always the good little youngest child who was like, okay, I will do what I'm supposed to do. And was he able to say, hey, you'll get through this. I'm getting through this. I mean, I don't know what older brothers are like. I never had one. <laughs> yeah, it was almost a four-year difference. And, you know, I've got two kids now. They're only 18 months apart. And I, I know they have that kind of yeah. relationship. Yeah. When he's four years older, it's like, eh, you don't want your little brother around. It's like, so I, I don't remember. How can anyone describe what, it, what the letters E-A-I-O-U look like to you as opposed to me? I mean, I know what they look like. They're the letters. But I've talked to people with dyslexia who say, no, that looks like uh, an E is going the other way or an A is upside down. I can't arrange those letters in my mind as quickly as you can. How do you describe what it feels like? I, I, I don't know if I can describe it, but I mean, I remember like the word sink and the word skin mixing up. It's just the same four letters arranged differently, yeah. whether it was was or saw, you know, back when I was little. I mean, they're the ones I would screw up and I'd come to was and I'd say saw. And it's like, you see saw there? And it's like, yeah, I do. Right. Um, I don't remember. You know, I, I read – I won't jump ahead too much. I read fine now. I still read slower. And, you know, somebody like my wife, you can give both of us a book and she'll finish in half the time that I will. But now I get it. I just take my time and – Oh, I guess we'll get to that about how I compensated for it. But. Yeah, we will. But uh, so much of the the early days have to be stressful because you don't want to be falling behind in the class. And I was across the boards, falling behind in math. Math was even worse because, I mean, numbers and letters. And, and when you start getting numbers and letters together when you got the algebra, but I, I couldn't keep track of the numbers, especially once they got bigger. 
you know, sure, two digits and adding two digits, no problem. When you started getting longer ones and long division, that's when things really started going tough there. I don't have dyslexia and I had problems with algebra as a lot of people do, but it's a whole different situation when you're dealing with the symbols and the fact that you're mixing them up or your mind, your brain is mixing them up. I just fell further and further behind at the point where I started giving up. It's like, all right, everybody's trying to help me. Everybody's trying to help me. Everybody's trying to push me through. Some teachers who, I mean, I was a good kid. So the teachers liked me. And honestly, I think I probably should have been held back at some point um, because, but they kept pushing me through. Worked Danny through the system because he's Mm. a good kid. He pays Mm. attention. He works hard, but I'm still not getting there. Mm. And the whole thing for me, I mean, later on, and again, I won't jump ahead too much, but give me more time and I could complete the tasks. And that's what it was because most things back then, I, w- I went to school, you know, elementary school, early 60s or, or late 60s, early 70s. Um, everything was time tests, especially mm-hmm. once you got to the early 70s. Everything was timed. And I'm finishing test. I'm not finishing tests. I have two thirds of the test done. They, you know, drop your pencils. It's like, or you have a minute left and I'm just trying to fill in whatever I can fill in to get right. there. And no wonder right. I was getting bad grades. Right, but, right. When did things start to coalesce and, and get better? You started to develop better reading habits and reading skills and so forth. Was it between elementary and junior high, junior high to high school, or was it a gradual transition? You know what? I was so involved in high school in so many different organizations, and I got to know all the teachers really well. And you know how our relationship was is. Mm. And I have a, I had a relationship with a lot of the teachers, whether I played football, whether I was you know on the yearbook staff, you know whatever it was, I was very involved in high school. So I got to know everybody and all the teachers really well. So they kind of gave me extra time, even though they weren't supposed to. And things got better then. And then certain teachers really recognized it. But the program back then, again, I graduated in 1981. They really didn't have anything in place for people with dyslexia. But you were managing your life in high school. You were learning management skills, life to compensate for survival skills to compensate for what you had to deal with in terms of dyslexia. Yeah, whether there are little math tricks in my head or honestly, I almost felt like sometimes I was cheating because I'm trying to get as much time ahead of time with the content and reading it and whether it was. you know, somebody telling me it's okay, okay they're going to ask you a lot of questions about this. You know, mm. somebody who already took the test would say they're going to ask you a lot of questions. So now I'm reading certain sections of the book, you know, to read it over and over, that kind of thing. But I just spent more time trying to read and I won't say wasting time, but where everybody else is out doing things, I had to keep reading more and more just to get mm. caught up. Mm. Um, so I, I, I guess the bottom line is I just spent more time preparing for a test and trying to understand. That begs the question, did all of that extra time spent, and I'm going to call them workarounds for you, they were actually more work for you. Mm -hmm. Did that affect the way you run your life today and run your business today? Did any of those new developments and habits to get through schoolwork affect the way you work? All right. And here's what what I don't understand. I saw a doctor for, what, two or three years trying to get me to read better and understand. I still remember he used to have this wiffle ball with all these different letters on it and he would swing it. It hung on a string mm. and I had to, you know, he'd spin it around and have to read what's on it as quick as I could. And I don't know if that did any good or not. Um, so workarounds in math to this day, absolutely. 
workarounds in reading? No, I just take the time. Nobody's, nobody's the got time. a clock on me now. And what when I get a script, script in, you know, it may take me a I hate reading scripts in front of clients. You go, oh, take a look at this real quick. We'll talk about it. It's like, <laughs> all right, it's not going to be as quick as you think. Um, yeah. So a lot of times I'll say, well, let me read this and I'll get back to you. That is the way you operate and you've done very well with that. You've figured it out- It works for me. You've figured out a way as so many dyslexics do. You've figured out a way to get it done. Let me talk a bit about the very tense time when you're applying for colleges and mm-hmm. and thinking about the next step. And you know, you know that there's something called the SAT or the PSAT that's in your future. I dreaded it, by the way. Again, I do not have dyslexia. I dreaded it. I didn't do very well either because I dreaded it. Do you recall that period? And Extremely well. Okay. Okay. So I remember junior year taking the SATs for the first time, timed. Everything was timed. Sure, yeah. And I still remember getting, what, a five-minute warning and a one-minute warning, and I swear I was only done with half of it. So I'm rapidly just filling in numbers, multiple choice. And um, I don't remember what the score is, or maybe I do remember and really don't want to be that (laughs) honest right now. So didn't do so well. So my senior year, I take it again. Did worse. And I remember talking to the guidance counselor. I keep saying, I want to go to college. I want to go. All my friends are going off to college. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of smart friends. I really did. Um, and they're all going somewhere. It's like, I want to go to college. And it might have been peer pressure. It might have been my girlfriend at the time. I think it was a little of everything because nobody in my family ever went to college. They all oh, that done right? well. Okay. My mom didn't. My dad didn't. Wow. Had great jobs, but they didn't go to college. My older brother, my older sister, they did not. But I was determined to go. And I wanted to go to a four-year school. I didn't want to go to the community college. Community college. I wanted to go to four-year like everybody else was doing. And that's the only reason because everybody else was doing it. And I thought, you know what? I should be. And it started getting drilled into me by certain people. So I started applying to different colleges and stuff. No. My SATs. No. No. My grades weren't great either. You know, I was at best a C student in high school. Mm. And um, I remember – my college guy or my high school guidance counselor saying, Danny, you, you don't want to go. You, you, you will not survive in a four-year college. You can't. I mean, at best, go to a community college, try it out and see how it goes. It's like, I didn't want this. He goes, you will fail at a four-year college. And that just ticked me off. <laughs> and from that moment on, I was determined to go to a four-year college. So I started looking into a bunch of things. Um, applying to different colleges, and I can't remember the connection, but uh, at Bloomsburg University, they had a program for people with dyslexia and and other things. And they said, okay, if you're truly dyslexic, and I had to prove something and send some information off, and they had a program to get you into a four-year college at Bloomsburg University, which is a very good state school in Pennsylvania. And they got me in. And you know what? I was never timed on anything and became an A-B student right right. At the beginning, with, within the end of my freshman year. So this would be the early 80s, right? You graduated, yeah, graduated in 81, 81 high school. That's a very key time because as we're producing this podcast for the Webb Center, it was Dr. Gertrude Webb who mm-hmm. was very instrumental in starting one of the first in the nation college programs at Curry College in Milton. Finally, colleges were waking up to the idea, as were public schools, that we needed to address a very large swath of individuals who were very intelligent, but just had this one issue that they they had to get through. And thank God you were at the right place at the right time, I'm taking it. Yeah, because... I, I, I can't tell you how proud I was. I got my first you know, college grades. Oh, yeah. And I went home. It was Christmas time. It That's was Christmas time. Really and I got home and I, I put him up in front of my parents. And I remember my mom crying. And I'm, gonna, mm. I'm tearing up thinking about it right now. Mm. Um, 
But boy, that guidance counselor saying I couldn't do it. That's that was the catalyst. But again, once I get over that, it's it was <laughs> it was more the untimed tests. I mean, as soon as as soon as I had all the time. And you know what? If everybody finished in an hour, I was probably done in an hour and 20 minutes, maybe an hour and a half. And I finished it. But uh, Duke Ellington used to say in his concerts as a closing line, remember, time is the most valuable thing you have. It's more valuable than money. And when you think about it, what's the issue with someone taking a little extra time to get it right? I wish more people who didn't have dyslexia took extra time to get things right. Now, what was the career path? Was it early on before college you wanted to do something in the creative arts, in this case in video and film, or was it accidental that you wound well, up Well, I that? think everybody – I think many people who have dyslexia find the creative arts. And I found theater in high school. Mm-hmm. And I was really enjoying it. And getting to Bloomsburg, I got caught up in their theater program. But I didn't want to go into theater. But I loved it. Were you on and stage think, or behind the scenes? Uh, mostly on, but I loved behind the scenes too. I loved being lighting. You know, I, I did lighting. You and, did and, tech. And, and I did <laughs> tech, yeah. I did some set design. Okay. Um, which was all fun. But um, So how it switched was I took a couple theater classes, which led to me taking – I can't remember what it was called. It was, it was Television 101 or something like that. Okay, well, that might be fun. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, fell in love with it. You know, working in a studio kind of like we're sitting in right now. It was radio and television. Mm-hmm. Did a lot of that. And I was registered in business administration. And the next semester, I changed my major to radio and TV. Mm. And that's why I finished off and, and thrived in that environment. I mean, I just loved everything about it. I loved the theory of it. I loved the the practical, the technical. And uh, – and that's how I uh, switched. And and not only then did I get my undergrad degree in radio and television, won all kinds of student awards uh, because of it, became the general manager of the FM radio or the AM radio station. Ah. And then they were building a brand new building and making a brand new FM station and uh, being put in as general manager there. And then when I was graduating Bloomsburg, they said, do you have any interest in staying to get your master's? And I said, well, why do you ask? And they said, well, we have a graduate assistance program. And they said, we're scared to death of losing you because now we have a brand new FM station and we're <laughs> their reach was going to be so far, not just the campus now, it's all over within a 20-mile radius. And they said, we want you to stay and run the radio station. So would you consider doing this? So I stayed another year and a half to get my master's degree from Bloomsburg uh, did very well too, grade wise, because again, nothing, no, well, nothing's timed in grad school anyway. So, did well there, but ran their radio station. Not only that, <laughs> I had Bucknell calling me because mm. they had a brand new FM radio station too, and they said, "Would you consider coming or running ours?" So now I'm thinking, okay, do I finish at Bloomsburg or do I go to Bucknell to finish? And at that point, I only had a, half a semester to go, and uh, so I stayed at Bloom to do it. But that was... Uh, you, you're doing what I assumed you're doing at this point in your college career. You're applying your street smarts and your sense of the world to a radio station, which is not the easiest thing in the world to run. There's a lot to remember. There's a lot to think about. But it was the perfect vehicle for you, apparently, at that time. It was the perfect vehicle. Because one... I mean, even when I was a little kid in elementary school, I was the captain of the school safety patrols and that, you know, you name it, it just went through. It was always a president or leader of something. And, uh, and it just carried over. I mean, I just always took a leadership role. Okay. If I saw something not being done the right way, I just step up and help out. And when it came to the radio station, it was the same way. What's interesting with college radio, you got a lot of guys who, you know, this is college radio and 
progressive and alternative music and stuff. And they're kind of out there and you got to be able to rein these guys in and talk <laughs> their language to make sure. I know that very well. I yeah. was in the same boat in my college. I'm just thinking back to those little ones who referred to you as a sped and, you know, where are they now as you're running all these radio stations and, and being asked to go to the master's program because they want to keep you. I mean, overall, that must have been the highlight of your educational career to be able to do those things. It was. And I thought so many times about going back to that guidance counselor and saying something, and I never did. He did you a big favor, I, ultimately. I, I, he didn't know it at the time. You know, and, and you know what? I, I kind of came to that conclusion too. Right. That that if that's what pushed me over the edge, and again, there were a lot of things pushing me in that direction, but that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Dan, we've talked with a lot of interesting people from all walks of life on this podcast, and it's called Dyslexics Wanted. We want to hear stories. But the one aspect beyond the creative side that you're involved with now in terms of video production and so forth is news. You were involved for many, many years in what anyone would consider to be a highly paced news market, Boston, Massachusetts, mm -hmm. where you did a lot of cool stuff. I mean, grab a camera, go out and shoot, produce on the fly, the kind of stuff that you got to have those street smarts to figure out. Yeah. And, and mostly what it was in, in the days when Channel 56 had its own news. Mm -hmm. I, I was an associate director. I was brought in as associate director for the news at 10 uh, back in 1990. I'm going to slur it. 93. No, early 90s. And uh, and that eventually became a director at Channel 56. So my job, you know, to call the shots for an hour. Mm. Um, a little, little stress, but fun. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But it was. And I tell everybody, I, I may not be the smartest guy in the world. And, you know, I read slower than everybody else. But, but street smarts, you're not going to get anything past me. Well, it's called news sense. There are people who do what you do, and they just have this sixth sense about what needs to be covered, how it should be handled, who's to cover the story, that story, and to get it all in under the clock. You Now, you talk about the clock and timing. Mm -hmm. There's nothing more time-sensitive than a television broadcast. Correct. So here you are, the little kid who had trouble finishing a test on time. Flash forward several decades, not too many decades, a few, and here you are, knocking it out of the park, which is a testament to people like you who do kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I, funny thing is all my life I was always late. And then I went into the television business <laughs> and it changed the way I look at the clock because, you know, my first job in television, I had to be there to turn on the TV station. You cannot be late. You, you're just not late. So it changed from me always being late to now never being late. You know, I, everything's, and, and my wife laughs at me. She goes, oh, you know, how soon are you going to be home? It's like, oh, about two and a half minutes. Or how long will that take you to do that? And it's like about 90 seconds. I mean, yeah, it's you, all down to the seconds. We, we like, in radio have the same issue. Yeah. It's radio time. If I say I'll be there at 2.59, that's the time I'm going to yes. show up because yeah. I've got 60 seconds before the top of the hour. I mean, we all think this way. I want to ask you very quickly again about your family. You have two lovely girls, 11 and 9, you mm -hmm. told me. Yep. Do they have any uh, issues with what you had to deal with as a kid? Any dyslexia? That the oldest one, no. The youngest one has a mild form of dyslexia. Mm -hmm. That you know, the school district we're in has a wonderful program. Uh, my goodness, I mean, they said this was just a year ago. We sat down, less than a year ago. We sat down with the principal, and there were like six people in the room, including my wife and I, and uh, talking about the path. And how to help her. She's an amazing kid and an amazing student. But she was struggling with reading a little bit. And now the town has come up with a, a plan for her for over the next three years. 
And we just got all the paperwork yesterday came in the mail, a very big mm. thing. It's like, okay, here's what we're going to do for you. Um, so, and we read with her every, every day for 20 minutes to a half an hour with her. We'll get two of the same book where she's reading and then I'm reading along with her uh, or my wife is many, many times. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's doing great. She just struggles over some longer words more than she probably should. Um, but she's comprehending, mm. which I never did. I struggled over everything. I mean, it could be the word to, to be, and I'm just like be, to, to be. Mine was much worse. Right, I mean, right. she'll struggle over the long words. Okay. It Should just points out the great progress over the years. Come a long way from that uh, wiffle ball with the letters and numbers on I it. I wish I could talk to that guy again and find <laughs> out what that was about. I still don't know, but – well, we want to say, first of all, thank you for doing what you did today and joining us to share your story. I've known you for many, many years, and I did not know this detail about you. You expressed it so eloquently, so thank you for that. And I'll go on the record and say it's been 29 years, and I know that because I still keep old paperwork. <laughs> and you were the first voiceover guy we used when we started Ocean One Productions in 1989. It was 1990. That's oh. the first time we used you. For a, to do a voiceover for a local cable ago. commercial on Cape Cod. I remember it as though it were yesterday. Yeah, yeah me too. Uh, you and I have probably done 18,000 projects since then, but I'm very proud to have connected with you. And I really want to wish you the best. Uh, Ocean One Productions in Boston is well-respected, well-regarded. You have projects going on all over. Hey, you've made it, man, and you've done a great job, despite the guidance counselor. Exactly. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Thank you. Dan Fickus. Thanks once again for listening to Dyslexics Wanted. We're seeking personal stories about your dyslexia journey and would love to hear from you. If you or someone you care about have a story to tell, we would consider featuring it on this podcast. Send the story to me, Jordan, that's J-O-R-D-A-N, Jordan at chartproductions.com. Chart is spelled C-H-A-R-T. We'd love to hear from you. Remember to subscribe, download, rate, and review this podcast, available on all major web platforms. Once again, for much more, visit WICD.org. That's WICD.org.